Hey there, and welcome to the Good Kind Podcast. At Good Kind, we are all about helping people cultivate the good kind of habits and holiday practices that allow them to engage with God and one another throughout the year. To learn more about us and the products we make, go to www.goodkind.shop and follow us on social media. We hope you enjoy today's episode of the Good Kind Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Good Kind Podcast. My name is Clayton Green, and I'm here with Chris Papalardo. What's up, Chris? How you doing today? Good morning, Clayton. Happy Friday. Happy Friday and or any other day of the week, you know, if people are listening to it on a different day, which interestingly, today we're talking about time. So that was already a meta comment about time because we're recording now. I'm locked in. We're going to listen later. Oh, wow. But it's it's this world. Yeah. So that's the energy I'm bringing to this conversation about time. Lindsay, how are you? What's the energy you're bringing today? I'm a little sleepy, but you know, it's all right. Okay. I'll, I'll, uh, I can rally and I'm excited about this conversation. Awesome. Well, so today is another episode in our mini series, um, talking about how to make spiritual practice stick. So, you know, Advent blocks kicks off everything for good kind. We reverse engineer Advent blocks. We start creating these other products. And as we're doing it, there are these unique and specific pieces about Advent blocks and all of our products that we think are helpful to help people start, but also continue doing these things. Uh, Sticky prayers uh, calls you back to praying throughout the day and we make it really, really bumpy so that you you can't miss it. You trip over it, right? It's a reminder (laughs) that we already thought about that in the previous podcast, talking about tangible cues that help bring our attention to something spiritual that was already there. We just need to bring the attention. So tangible beautiful. Uh, it's got to be easy. All these different things that we've learned, we're now just giving it away in this mini series. Um, and so today we are talking about time, which I already kind of went meta on uh, a little mm-hmm. bit. Isn't living in time wild? Like, yes, Lindsay, I mean, it's like now is now and the past is the past. And the, and the, the present is only the present for like the split second. And, you know, you, you're just you only have that the one thing and then it's gone. And, and the yet, one's here. And yet all of my life feels like it is the present. So maybe the present is all of it. Ooh. Oh wow, so deep. Yeah, hey, <laughs> this made me this made me think of a joke. Uh Clayton, maybe you've heard this one. What's the most important part of a joke? Timing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. Thanks. No, no, I like that. Now see everybody what was funny about that. Please don't. Please don't. Uh, it was because he said it really quickly and he should have waited longer. He, he messed it up, which actually second, second funniest funny. part of a joke is explaining why it's funny. So you're doing right. great. It might be the funniest part of the joke. <laughs> Here's the thing. So, Lindsay, I like what you said. Like, the present is only the present for, like, this split second that it's there. Mm-hmm. The present is only the present because the past is gone and the future awaits us, right? If you, because we're moving through time, you have, and you, it's hard to not sound like you are, like, you know, on an acid trip when you're talking about time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So um, James K. Smith uh, wrote a book called How to Inhabit Time. So if you want to know how to kind of do the whole past, present, and future thing and do it well, he wrote a book and it's fantastic. It's one of Matt, Lindsay, it's one of Matt's favorites, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. He so he, he actually, he gave like a really neat kind of practical and physical example of this past, present, and future and how they relate to each other. And why it ends up actually being so beautiful for us to live in it. 
uh, in, in on page 102, in case uh, you have the book and you want to look it up. It's noting it. Yeah. <laughs> it says, every conversation is a churn of anticipation and retention. So as soon as someone's speaking, we're having to remember what they said and we're actually thinking about what they're going to say in the future. And he's saying there's something beautiful about that. He talks about how they're like your voice. As soon as I finish saying a word, you hear it for a brief moment and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. And there's something, so language is even rooted in time that it can, and he talks about songs as well. So he says there, there's no joy in music without the fugitive nature of sound. There is no delight in the song without the gift of notes that rise, linger, and then fade to make way for more. And if you didn't have that pace, so you, it, when he talks about like the tone of sound, the nature of sound, how it comes and goes, is like a very physical understanding of like what the, what time is like. I, I'd have thought it was particularly beautiful. That is beautiful. Um. So I mean, time makes makes life hard and interesting. But I think it makes it beautiful. Uh, and also, we'll see. We'll talk about it at the end. I think that if you think about time in in a, a biblical way. It actually ends up giving us grace and understanding of our position and our relationship to God and mm-hmm. all the, all those things like that. I think time, though, at least in the beginning, can make us think a little bit more about failure, right? Because it felt we feel failure a little bit more, I think, because we can't get that time back, mm-hmm. right, Chris? For sure. Like, like it's like you you can't. It's oh, what what am I trying to say here? It's like it's like because it's already happened. And I can't go back. That that leaves me with a sense of like pain from that a little bit more if I did yeah. it the way I wanted to do it. This is part of what I loved about I, I read uh, Smith's book too. And part of what I love about it is he he recognized when you're talking about time, you're talking about like the limitedness of being yeah. a human. Yeah. And so I think we we all feel the same sense of like like wanting to break out when it comes to time, but also to space and physicality. Like, I, I think I have a lot of the same feelings when it comes to both. Like, I can't get that back. But I, I feel like with my body, like, I can become the younger version of myself. I wish I could be in two places at once. There are opportunities in front of me I will never get to actualize, either because I don't have the time for them or I can't go to that place. But, like, it just, it it feels very restrictive. But uh, James Smith talks about time in a more liberating way. And it, as Christians, we ought to see that the fact that we're limited in time and limited in our physicality, Jesus was limited by both and he lived a full life and he was still God in that moment. So there's something about it that when we want to break out and say, oh, I wish I didn't have these time restrictions. I wish I didn't have these physical restrictions. I think we're wrong in saying that the problem is time. Like, oh, oh if, I, if I only could get out of it. But the felt sense is definitely, I lost that moment. I'll never have it, have it back. And th- I mean, it's very real. A lot of it's like the that. the running out of time. Yeah, and- yeah, and the I mean, I'm almost forty, so I, I don't know. I I think about these things a lot. I think year over year, I think about them more. It's like there is only this much time in this life, mm-hmm. and um, the li- like. It's part of what makes it so precious, right? That the more rare something is. The more precious oh and time good. yeah time feels very precious to all of yeah. us which is part of part of why we hate to lose it uh, we mourn its loss that's dude good. that's a beautiful way of putting that that same thing about like anticipation and retention um the the rareness of it is what makes it it precious but i think it's a, it's an aspect of our reality that i think that sometimes we 
we don't emphasize what we feel, but we don't think about. We feel, but we don't act on. So here's totally. what, here's what's weird about it. We our lives are ruled by clocks and calendars. Like time is huge yes. for people in the huge. 21st century. And yet you're right. I don't know if we think of like I'm not. Maybe we're thinking about it too much, but in the wrong ways. Yeah. yeah. Or like I don't know because like it's it's not like at any moment I'm not aware of what time it is. Like I'm keenly aware of what time it is almost every minute of every day, which feels oppressive. Yes. And yet, I don't know if I feel like I'm in tune with the timing of life in a way that I could say is healthy or if I think about time. I don't know. It may, I'm translating it to like money, you know? Yeah. So you, you can work for an hourly rate and time is money. We say this all the time. I think too much of us have ingrained that. And God does not say time is money. He says it's something very different. And yet I'm like, I don't know. I can count it. I can stack it up. You know, I can measure it. Just like cash, and I'm I'm just not convinced that that's how God wants us uh, experiencing time. Yeah, it it's like um, the pace at which we live limits our ability to be present. But it, it it's like to what you're saying, like the clock is pulling us forward so much. The calendar is pulling us. Forward. One of my least favorite phrases um, that pe- that people say all the time. And so, if you've ever said it to me. I'm I'm sorry. Like, you know, I I still love you when you said this, but like they say like, "Wow, I can't believe it's June already." Like mm-hmm. that I think the reason I hate it is because I fear it so much. It's like, "Where did it go? Did I miss it?" And honestly, y'all, like the the um the Habits and Holidays podcast that we do that allow us to think about the month ahead. Um actually not when we recorded, but when I listened to it right before the month. <laughs> it's actually really helpful for me to kind of let the month be what it is and to enjoy it for what it is. I also have started uh, every night I started, I start and stop, right? Um, sometimes I'm consistent. Sometimes I'm not of like writing down things in the evening of like what happened in the day. Chris, I know you've done something uh, like this as well. Um, yep. so, so it's, there's something about that that allows me to like appreciate the moment, right? It helps me with that retention it, that allows me to still be present and kind of keep working into the, to the future. That's the word there, moment. I think there's a huge difference between living according to the clock and living with a keen awareness of what's happening from one moment to the next. Mm-hmm. And I can I can run my life based on a clock and a calendar and miss almost every moment that matters. Really? Yeah. Um, and, and so, the, yeah, there's something about the way God has designed the world that he wants us to experience time as a series of moments. The past and present, the awareness of something that's just happened is just about to come matters but not in the way I segment it up and make, you know, line everything up to 15 minute increments of productivity. Right. Right. Yep. Um, so let, let's do this then. So I, cause I think um, it, it makes me think of something that Daniel Pink said in his book, when not W I N W H E N when, <laughs> when uh, he, he said, that's it. That's how you do it. We simply don't take issues of when, as seriously as we take issues of what. So as we think about this, it's like, what am I doing? Like, uh, I'm praying. Uh, I'm reading the Bible. Like, what? how am I praying? Um, like, what am I reading in the Bible? But he he's saying we don't take issues of when as seriously as we take questions of what. And I don't think he's suggesting that it, that one should matter, when should matter more than what, but I think he's saying we should actually take when seriously and we can actually act on it a little bit. So let's, so I'm going to talk about 
um, a couple of different ways that I think we can actually um, be thinking about time as it relates to our spiritual practice. Uh, the, the first thing that I think we should be thinking about is we should be thinking about how our minds and our bodies operate as it relates to the time of day, right? Mm-hmm. Circadian rhythms are real biological clocks like it's it's like our bodies like for our lives but all, right now i want to talk about for the day actually do a certain thing Lindsay, are you a morning person or an evening person i'm an evening person hello you evening person <laughs> technically a night owl Definitely night owl yes more more night owl than than evening um there's a there's an interesting uh um he, he says night owls and morning larks lark and then he says third birds which is this phrase, uh, D- Daniel Pink, I'm speaking about. Third birds is the people who are kind of in the middle. Okay. And, and most people are kind of right there in the middle. I'm a little bit more of a lark. I'm a little bit more of a morning person. But so you're saying night out. Like you even rejected the evening. So like, yeah. tell, us, tell us what your day looks like from the beginning to Like you wake up, you like, when is your peak? Like what's what's that? So wake up very leisurely. Um right now don't have kids that's gonna change very very soon so very soon maybe i will be you know become different uh when i am more sleep deprived uh because of taking care of a child and then waking up really early i mean who knows but in my uh non-parental life i typically like rise between uh eight and nine yeah and then um I definitely am like a slow person in the morning. Like if I have something that I have to do, I can get moving. But really, like I'm not productive in the morning. I'm kind of just like zoning out and doing kind of whatever. Like I'll get sucked into reading something random and just kind of like all of a sudden I look and it's like already 11 or something. And I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, the day is gone. So, all right. So I would hear, but. But the that's not your peak time though, so you're not wasting True. totally. That yeah, you're not wasting time that that's like your best, right? You're more likely right. to be getting good stuff done or be more attentive to people in the evening. Yes, yeah. So Our girls like a long time before it gets to my my peak time. Which uh, if it's something that I really enjoy, could be like eight p.m. to one in the morning or something. I could get like really sucked into you know, a sewing project or whatever. And then Matt will have to come in and be like, hey, you know, it's like really yeah. late, right? Yeah. And I'll be like, oh. I also get I wasn't sucked even aware. in. I also get sucked in from 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. Uh, to sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> 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 this is the project that occupies my time. That, that <laughs> for, for me, it, uh, and actually, so I'm building, there's, uh, everybody kind of has the same pattern, but it kind of starts and stops at different times, right? Exactly. So, um, there are, I'm a little, I'm more of a morning person. The girls school to starts at nine or it's at seven 30, seven 45 is, and they have to be there. So like that pushes me even earlier. So Lindsay, Eesh. I, I wake up at like five. 10. I know that I can't even comprehend that. Like, it's so dark. So by 11, when you're like done reading the book, I'm like, I'm done with the day. Honestly. You've done a whole day. I'm ready to go to lunch and shut it down. Y'all at three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, guys, I think we're done. I, so there, there's um, it, so one couple of interesting things here. One, generally, for most people, uh, you know, when you do surveys and studies, um, you find that people generally peak in the morning. They have a trough in the afternoon, and then they they kind of rebound in the evening. This is how 
most people operate, um, those third birds and those larks. Um, they've, they've done this with tweets. Uh, tweets are more pot. They have more positive language in the morning and they have really negative language in the afternoon and it gets a little more positive again at night. Your, emo- your emotional balance, your warmth towards people better in the morning, not great in the afternoon and then better in the evening, which is good for your family, I guess. Uh, here's an interesting one. The morality effect. You are less likely to lie in the morning. Oh, um, interesting. Doctors, like, actually, uh, they do a better job. They make less errors in the morning. So they, so if you're, like, getting a colonoscopy, just in case that's where you are in life, you want to do it. <laughs> it is. It is. Very much it is. It is. Um, with, when uh, you're really likely to miss them in the morning, they're more likely to miss them in the afternoon. So like all, and particularly like, and even like depending on your age, like middle school and high school students, you know, they need to to, to kind of be a little bit later in the day. Um, anyway, it's kind of all over, like p- people respond to it differently, but essentially there's a peak, there's a trough, and then, and there's a rebound. Um, Lindsay, when's your trough? Like, when would you say is kind of the low point? I don't know. I feel like my low point is probably in the morning. Okay, so they said, so there's, so people were night owls, uh, Daniel Pink says there's a little bit more of a rebound in the morning, and then there is a, a little bit of a trough, and then they peak at night. So you still might have like an afternoon trough where it's kind of like, ah, I'm not, but then you like really go boom at night when yeah. you burst asleep. That's right. <laughs> They've seen this too with uh, judges, I'm talking about empathy, oh, interesting. Uh, the, the judgments that are, that are given in any given case much more likely to be lenient towards the clock, towards the oh, yes. person who's being prosecuted in the morning, much harsher in the afternoons. Interesting. And for like the very same crimes, like leveling out everything else in terms of like the demographics of the person who's on trial. And it really just is. You've got that trial. The judge is cranky and doesn't like people as much at three yeah. o'clock. Totally. Um, so... Uh- Here's here is one thing uh, that I thought was interesting as well. The peak, that morning peak for most people, or Lindsay for the for the uh, evening, typically is the is the best for like analytical um, productivity type of like I've got to do something and I can get it done. So actually, your trough, so yeah. your trough, like where it's a little bit, your you kind of need to take a nap, and like right as you're coming out of that is the best time for creativity. Because you're you're not quite as like locked in and sharp, so you're willing to consider different things and have like a little bit more of a free flowing conversation. So, it's all it's all very interesting to me. Here, but here's the question: Let's turn the corner towards spiritual practice. What does this mean for spiritual practice, Chris? Do you do you study in the morning? I feel like think about the Bible, right? In the morning, you're going to be like your study is going to be a little bit more kind of locked in, maybe a little bit more analytical. If you were to read in the afternoon, is that when you should do lectio divina? Shoot, I, this is the first time I've thought about it this way, but are there certain times of day that we can do certain spiritual practices that that make a little bit more sense because of this? I think I read uh, Pink's book as well, and I, I have not experienced the analytical versus creative, okay, you know, hmm. zones that he's talking about. I'll take his word for it because he's synthesizing a lot of good research. So for me, it's all about recognizing when you actually have that time and attention. And so... If you are a night owl and you're forcing yourself to try to read the Bible and have a, a quiet time in the morning, that, that may work out. That may be okay. But I wouldn't be surprised, Lindsay, if like that's just a real struggle for you and it's better to to do that in the evening. I remember the guy yesterday and, and he was he was like really concerned 
that he had some sort of spiritual problem because he didn't really want to read his Bible. And as we got talking through it, it turned out, I, I think, um, the, the deal was he was just reading it just before he went to bed. And he's one, he's a guy like me whose energy starts high and kind of mm. tails off towards the end of the day. So it's not about the Bible at all. He was just exhausted. And I'm like, just pick another time. <laughs> pick a time where you're <laughs> not exhausted. Yeah. So, um, which for, which for Lindsay, like, here's the grace in that. Like, that means it, you might want to, in your kind of rebound of the morning, that might be a time that you do want to read, spend time in the word or pray or something like mm-hmm. that, because you, you want to linger in that space a little bit more. Right. right. Could work. Also, I think that sometimes people are, people feel like they're supposed to do that in the morning, but they absolutely, they can't like force themselves to do it. So they want to do it in the middle of the day or, or in the evening, but, and then vice versa, some people you know, think that they should pray at night before they go to bed because that's how their grandpa did it, kneeling on the side of the bed. That's true for me. <laughs> but but if I try to pray at night, man, it it's like you're gone. It's a good method for falling asleep. Actually, yeah. <laughs> I definitely would say I have found that, um, like, the morning time is not for like intensive study or whatever. Like, it would be more for meditation or kind of like the Lectio Divina and like listening for me or kind of like more right. reflecting and not actual like Bible study because I I definitely, it's like my brain's not really on and I can't focus and like um, do kind of the study that I would want to do. And so then when I, when I do it and it fails, I, you know, I do feel bad about it or like I'm I'm a bad Christian or I'm doing something wrong or I should be different I need to be more disciplined and there's like freedom in that that I need to give myself yeah one of this this makes me realize like there's a lot in scripture about timing um but it's more like seasonal you know daily weekly annually yep but if you look at the bookends of the day God gives those little reminders of grace. Uh, just a couple come to mind. One in Lamentations, very dark book. Jeremiah <laughs> says, you know, in the midst of all of this, God's mercies are new every morning. Oh, yeah. And so he looks to the sunrise and everything else seems very bleak, but the sun has come up and whether he's a more, I mean, I don't know, he wasn't using these terms because he was <laughs> going through some things. But like I, it didn't matter at that point. The sun came up. And that was a moment for him to pause for however long to say, this is a picture of God's grace towards me. Or on the other end, you've got uh, Psalm 127, I want to say, um, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And it ends by saying, God gives to his beloved sleep. It is rest at the end of the day that is a picture of us trusting and yielding up to God. And so as the sun goes down, as we're getting tired, we can just say, God, I, I give this to you. I'm about to go into a zone where I have no control and I'm very vulnerable and I yield up my life to you. So there's something about like elements of the day where you can, mm-hmm. you can tap into that. Hey, morning is about God's new mercies. Evening is about God's care for you mm-hmm. without having to say like, okay, therefore I will do an hour Bible study, but just yeah. you know, see where it is and appreciate what God has already said about that particular moment. Yeah. And he gave us, he gave us the rhythms. He, he made morning right. and he, he made evening and he made the sun come up and he made the, and, and so that's a really beautiful, beautiful part of the creation story. We actually continue to actually live in Lindsay, regardless of what time you go to sleep, you know, 2 a.m. is fine. You know, we, we respect you. Yep. But here, here's the thing. So like, that's a lot about how you feel in the day. 
But then there also is this aspect of us kind of acting or thinking about it a little bit more related to spiritual spiritual practice is like what you do in the day. Uh, we talk a lot about cues, bringing your attention to uh, what is already working, but also just bringing your attention to the spiritual. And there's a lot of things that we do in a day based on what time of day it is that I think can actually um, be uh, useful, be, I want to say taken advantage of, but that feels, that feels like the wrong phrase. <laughs> Take advantage of the fact that you drive your kids I, to school, right? Violated? Is that the? Is that what? You're no, saying? that's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> opportunity. Uh, appreciate the opportunity that in the yes. morning, yes. if you if you drive your kids to school, um, or if, if you do homeschool, whatever your morning rhythm is of coming downstairs and coming to the table, that 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 start, it can be a cue mo- moment in order to cue you to do something spiritual. Our girls, we do like a catechism on the way to school where I ask them some questions and they respond, and it's really really neat. Something I've wanted to try to start doing is that I actually, I, I know what it feels like to drive back into my driveway in the evening. I'm not currently using that moment for anything other than to respond to some text messages that I got on the way home. <laughs> but it's a, it's kind of, it's a timing thing where it's like, there's something that's already happening. Uh, another th- coffee, right? If you're drinking coffee, like when you get that first cup of coffee, um, Daniel Pink says, um, there's some people that started something at work. A sales group was doing coffee and call where you like it's you drink coffee and you call a client. Right. And it's like every it helps you make sure that you're doing that at the right time. I mean, coffee and prayer seems to be what a lot of people do on Instagram. So I'm not necessarily saying that you should put yeah. it on Instagram, but I'm saying that it could be a cue. Right. What what else? Yeah. Does one of those resonate with you, Lindsay? Or is there another one that is that you think of something that happens in your day that you could jump into? I don't have like one that totally jumps out, but I do really like the idea of like if it were in the morning, I'm I'm not a coffee in the afternoon person. I'm kind of like a coffee in the morning and that's it for me. Otherwise, I'll be up even later at night. <laughs> um, and so I, I really like the idea of the pairing something that I'm already doing with starting something. That you want to. Um, yeah. yeah, that I want to. And so I think like the, coffee and prayer linking those two things in my mind would be really good and even having like for me I'm at that time of day like I'm not gonna remember something so like I would need a visual cue and so I could like put Uh something by our coffee pot or around my coffee the the station with all the things for coffee that I feel like could as I'm pouring the cup remind me um of something that I like want to do that's important. Um, and I think that that sounds really delightful to me. It's, it's, uh, here, here's the deal though. This can be, did you use the phrase Clayton habit stacking? Cause I, I think that's, no, I didn't, I didn't. That is the phrase that mm-hmm. I think that's the, the buzzword that gets thrown around in here is you already have a lot of habits, right? Um, some are good, some are bad, some are neutral. So take the habits, uh, the at least neutral ones, you know, like showering or driving to work, whatever it is you do and, and put on top of that, do some, uh, attach some other thing that's more beneficial to it. So I've got to fold laundry, um, but I'm going to listen to, I'm going to put the Bible audio on and listen to the Bible while I listen to, while I fold laundry. Cause it's something I'm already doing that kind of thing. Yep. Um, this I have found there's just a ton of trial error in this sort of thing where I like some some habits stack really well together and some think of it as like a Jenga tower. Some don't. And the whole thing comes tumbling down. 
Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, that guy said that he always, you know, when he pours his cup of coffee, he prays for missionaries. And I tried that and it it didn't work. And mm. I guess I don't care about missionaries. And it's like, no, I, <laughs> some, you know, what what's going to stack on your little plot of ground for your habits stacks, you, you know, it works for you and maybe not for somebody right. else. Um, so recognizing what those are. We recently, here's one that does work for me, Clayton. I, we got the sticky prayers and I did not think. You told me it would work. I didn't think it would, but you were right. <laughs> you're very, you're very smart. Um, putting it next to the handle of my car, I, I didn't yeah, think yeah. that that placement was gonna was gonna work right. But it turns out that the place there is not so much as important as the time, because when I'm getting in or out of the car, are transition moments where I've kind of like dumped, like I've I've kind of shut off or closed the door to the previous thing I've just done, and I'm starting to transition to the next thing. Yeah. And I'm in this, like, I'm in a middle space um, mentally. So to see that thing on the door that says, God, where are you moving? It, that's actually, I'm really receptive to that in those times. Good. And so that's created a new habit for me to just pause and pray that prayer direct, on in the habit of getting in the car, which is, yeah, that's a habit stack that it, that surprised me. It may not work for everybody, huh. but. Yeah. Well, but it, it, it makes me think, like, there are, we're talking about habit stacking in the positive sense, but I also think that what you were saying there, there, there also can be the wrong time to do a spiritual practice, right? Mm-hmm. Where like, like you don't want to start, uh, I, I w- it'd be bad for me to start trying to do some kind of to pray, you know, at the time my girl's alarm clock goes off in the morning, right? Yeah. It's a cue, it's, but it's impossible, right? It, yeah. It's impossible because <laughs> it's like, there's something else that's go going on. Right. So I, I think that you can um, place place things at the right place, but also sometimes if you're trying to do a spiritual practice and it's not working, um, sometimes it's because there's something else that is that is encroaching on that time and making it very difficult in order right. to be able to it, do it. It's not like you are never going to be able to do this thing or you're really bad at it. It's like you just need to find a different place or a different queue in the day to, to slide it in. Yeah. I, I, I recommend... When it comes to timing, this is one of the the spots where the idea of like giving yourself a ton of grace and mm-hmm. starting and starting over and recognizing that it what works for timing now may not work forever. Like th- this is unique, totally relevant here because there have been seasons of my life where I, I've been able before I had kids able to get up, read my Bible for a really long time, mm-hmm. pray, work out, all this stuff. That's just not where I am now. And so if I if I judge the timing of my spiritual disciplines today by what I was able to do 20 years ago, I'm going to feel really beat up. And it's going to be different in another 20 years. So like timing can be like, let it be fluid. Mm-hmm. Yes. fluid. The seasons change. The timing of your spiritual practices should too. Yeah, absolutely. And so, well, speaking of seasons, right? Seasons change. We talked about the day and not how you feel in the day, how your mind and body are acting and being, which is very natural. I've talked about things that are already scheduled in, things that are already working, thinking about the timing of of your transitions and how that might influence your spiritual practices. But then the seasons, I mean, this is, I'm not, I want to say more powerful. I'm not necessarily going to say it's more powerful. For me, it's maybe more interesting because I like thinking about the whole calendar year. Uh, New Year's Day is my absolute favorite day of the year. Uh, oh. And now I have language for it, right? So uh, mm-hmm. Daniel Pink says the first day of the year is what social scientists calls a, te- a temporal landmark. Just as human okay. beings rely on landmarks to navigate space, to get to my house, you turn left at the shell station. We use landmarks also to navigate 
time, right? <laughs> so it's like, um, and, and you see, just like I was saying before, you know, people tweet nicer things in the morning and they're less likely to lie and they're <laughs> more likely to go to the gym or to Google certain phrases about their own personal habits and kind of getting getting themselves to, to do things that they want to do for their lives um, all, at the beginning of the m- month, at the beginning of the week, or if depending on what season of life you're in, at the beginning of a new semester. Um, mm-hmm. So th- they've seen this in college students. They've seen this in Google searches. I mean, I think what ends up happening is it's kind of like you have like, when you reach that first, you kind of have new mental accounts, right? new like ways to um to think about um your life you have new energy but then also it gives you the ability to reflect on what you did last week or what you did last month or what you did last year and how you want to make it better yeah. i actually i mean temporal landmarks are i think uniquely powerful and i love them Lindsay, is uh new year's eve your favorite um holiday as well um it is not my favorite holiday but i don't know i don't know what is um, I do really enjoy the beginning of the year because I I love like starting fresh and I love start fresh baby. Um, I love like you know kind of maybe like the New Year's Eve feeling of like reflecting on the past year and because it's late know. at night, right? Yes, that's her yes. zone <laughs> exactly. And um, just kind of like honoring and um, being thankful and grateful for like what was and then the you know the new year symbolizes something brand new and like what can i pray for what am i hoping for in this year and it is it is a really great transition so maybe it's my favorite holiday because of like the the transition that it is but i wouldn't say it's like my favorite holiday to celebrate so if you're you feel that on new year's right and that's very clear would you say you feel that again on the beginning of a month like the first day of the month, or do you feel that more at the first day of the week? Um, you know, I think it, I've felt it in both places. Um, I've used some like goal calendars or different things like that, that have been, um, really helpful. One of them is kind of like a monthly thing. And so you kind of like, you do the reflecting at the end of the month and then the planning for the next month and kind of like, uh, yeah, I definitely yeah, yeah. love making lists and checking things off. And so like, uh, you know, doing the, doing the work of like marking things, um, is really fun. So I think like, I feel it in both places. I think a new month, um, is maybe more significant to me than a new week just because, sure. It's like it feels just slightly bigger. Um, it's got a totally different name, you know. Yeah. Um, well, that, that's super interesting to me because I, for me, the beginning of the week does a little bit more. Okay. Um, one of the unique things that I found when I was I was reading was so first of the month changes things, first of the week changes things, but also the day after a federal holiday. My issue with months mm-hmm. think think about September, right? My issue with month if you try to start something new on September first. Labor Day is just this huge speed bump in terms of consistency or doing something. Right. But the day after Labor Day, I think is, for me personally, is a little bit more powerful than the first of September huh. but or the first day of first week of school or something like that. But I also have this sense that sometimes we get these, like, there these we have to watch out in the year for these false starts. I think right. that January 1st, though I love it so much, is a little bit of a false start, which is why I like to say January starts in February. 
So, because uh, <laughs> you're coming out, you haven't even, maybe you haven't completely got your house back into order. You're and right. all of a sudden I'm supposed to know what I want to do for the next year. I think January is for testing, right? You figure things out and then yep. where you actually kind of get going. Um, I wonder if, so I'm just having this thought right now. I wonder if like the, if there's a difference in um, what sticks, depending if it's like, if we're looking at monthly, depending on what day the first is, like if it yes. falls on a Monday, does that make uh, a significant difference? I'm sure that's like, that's, that's Megan. Yeah. Yeah. But, yep. Because October, I think October starts on a, a Saturday or a Sunday, and that's that's not going to give you. I I, I think that's going to be tough to get traction on anything new if you start. I October think it's Saturday first. or Sunday is better than the Thursday. I mean, a first <laughs> on a Thursday might as well not be a first at all. Let's just skip it. Wow, it's coming in hot. <laughs> <laughs> but Chris, you 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 mentioned this already. Like that, you're talking about seasons. Like in say in the Bible, there's the mercies in your morning and the gives us sleep. But like. I mean, the Bible also gives us, I mean, m- maybe more so in terms of like the seasons and, and movement of of the year and of mm-hmm. years. Yeah. And this this is part of where I think we're a little poorer um, in like the, the average evangelical church in the States, the low church, because we don't tap into the church calendar and all of that. And uh-huh. there's not a whole lot the three of us can do to change that unless we were to all start going to different, a different church. Mm-hmm. But like there is, there is some, some beauty in having not just American federal holidays place these temporal landmarkers through the year, but the church saying this is the season for uh lament as we lead up to Easter, or this is a season of anticipation as we lead up to Christmas, huh. even, you know, week to week, the idea of the Sabbath, which is something a lot of our churches, it is a practice we're trying to, to tap into now. Yep. This gives you temporal landmarks that are, are slightly different. We've talked a lot about productivity, but I think something about the church calendar is it's just as much to give us breaks like pauses and forces to slow down as it is like to show us when we can start something new. I, you know, wow. We're talking a lot about how we want to start practices that stick. And, and I think that's wonderful, but there is something to it where like, when I look at a lot of the practices uh, in scripture, you're looking at Sabbath, which is stop. You're looking at a Jubilee year, which is stop, you know, like there's a lot, a lot of the practices there are not about betterment but are about slowing down and yielding up to God's rhythms. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that's also another thing to to kind of throw in the mix here. That's oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I, I, that is, like, very beautiful that um, the I, I tend to, like what you're saying, think about what's the thing that I can start to make something better, and then the invitation often is how to, how to slow down, how to forgive, uh, you know, year of jubilee, like how to to kind of restart kind of like on a whole. So I, I think that's, I really appreciate that. But it's both. I mean, it's, it's the rhythm of it. Like if you were able to actually Sabbath, if you truly do rest for a full day, by the time you get back up to start something new the next day, you should have a renewed energy and yeah, maybe you're not thrilled about your work, but mm-hmm. the resting feeds right. working. You can get into it and be like, you know what? I can start something very difficult today because I just had, I just experienced God's rest yesterday and I'm going to have a moment ahead of me where I put this down. And this Mm -hmm. new difficult thing is not my whole life. It's a moment right now. And at the end of the day, I put it down. I rest because God gives sleep. 
God, does the work line, you know, like, I just think we can really, we can really grind hard. We can put our hand to the plow really hard and be achievers. If we know that there's a cycle to it that God has given us to say like, hey, blast it, go for it now, go all in. And then he says, all right, stop off the treadmill. Like no more hands off. Yeah. So it's daily. It's weekly. Weekly. It's it's season by flat. Man, I think that's, that's really. Why is it, why is it so easy for us to forget like the, the opportunity that rest or that God gives rest to us? Like. I, I right now feel like I have just been a hamster on a treadmill, like going, 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 like what's on the to-do list? What's next? What what do I need to get done? I kind of feel like I'm running out of time for all these different things. Yeah. And I think that I would probably feel a lot more calm if I was like acknowledging g- going to bed at night and being like, God is giving me this rest right now. Like the the fact of acknowledging and paying attention to what God gives, um, the, yeah. the blessing of rest, uh, just is so significant, but we don't think about it. Oh gosh. I mean, it's, it, it's helpful for me. Right. Um, because, um, Daniel Pink also talks about the, those temporal landmarks. He says there's social landmarks. That's ones that everybody participates in. Think federal holidays, Mondays, first of the month, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. But there's also personal landmarks birthdays, anniversaries, things like that, that can provide some of the same type of situation. But when I actually think about the year, like on a whole and kind of try to draw a diagram for it of these maybe social opportunities, or, you know, we can even, you can add your own in there, right. Um, of the the personal ones. It, it's interesting to think, I was thinking of all of them as after this thing, that's when you can really go for something. And Chris, that was a, just a, a sweet reminder that like, actually the thing itself, Easter as a season has a start moment after it, like this little mini season right after Easter, between uh, Easter and when school ends for our family. It's kind of can be this little sprint to finish out the year really, really well. But actually, if I only think of Easter as the preseason for an opportunity, then I miss the fact that Easter itself is something, right? Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's, I mean, for you and me, Clayton, we just like, you know, Enneagram three achievers. We love doing things. We live in a society that is obsessed with doing, being, even if we're not like doing and creating, like consuming content. Like we, we, there's always something drawing our attention to like do more, be more, go faster. Yep. Um, it to think we think of spiritual practice as starting the next big thing because it's that's what's real. Okay. Yeah, right. And I think the invitation with Sabbath is to recognize that working hard, starting some new habit is real and stopping and doing nothing and being human is also in God's economy, also real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's spiritual. Yeah. And we get, we get to experience both. We should experience both in that rhythm and, and they end up feeding each other. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think the thing about these different landmarks and how they they work, uh, we have so many of them, right? So there's January, there's January starts in February, there's Easter, and there's the mini season after Easter. There's the summer, which has July, where you don't have to work at all, maybe. <laughs> yep. There's September. September's kind of slap, right? And the Labor Day little speed bump that you have there, and then uh, Halloween, we kind of turn the corner and we start heading to the holidays, and all of a sudden we're back at the the new year. Now we enjoyed all of it, and it didn't slip away, right? But 
I think all those opportunities give us the opportunity to start, but there's also this really, really important piece that I think that restarting is okay as well. Yeah. Right. So it, I, um, just because something has gone a certain way, because you feel like you didn't do something the way that you wanted to, um, you doesn't mean that you can't start again and try, try again, that whole kind of battle between trying to accomplish and do things that actually, you know, walk with God and be present kind of this like past, present, future type of, of thing that we have here. Um, James K. Smith, again, talks a lot about how our histories, uh, successes and failures, it's not something that we leave behind, but it's something that we carry with us. And I think this even relates to like our spiritual practice. We talk about how doing small things over the long term can actually be a lot more beneficial in your life than doing something really, really grand for a short period of time. Uh, he's thinking of failure. He says, uh, shame lives off the lie of spiritual self-improvement, which I might try to, <laughs> to yeah, yeah. which is why my past is viewed as a failure. Grace, though, lives off the truth of God's wonder-working mercy. My past, my story, is taken up into God and God's story. He also says, Shame teaches me to look at my past and see something hideous that makes me regret my existence. Mm -hmm. In grace, God looks at my past and sees the sketch of a work of art that he wants to finish painting and to show the world. A failed start is actually just an opportunity to start again because of this because of what God is doing in telling that story. It, isn't that the the best part about time is how God mm -hmm. relates to us in it? Yeah. I love that. Um, I, I think it's, it's something that we have to think about as we maybe think about time more than we have in the past related to our spiritual privacies. To certainly think of the what, right? But I think we also have to consider the time. So as a review here, you got to consider the time as you are listening to your mind and body and what happens in that day. Also, what, what are you already doing in that day? What does your schedule look like? And can you add spiritual practice on to those types of things? And then also these temporal landmarks in the year of how can you start and how can you use these rhythms in order to slow down and start again and slow down and start again? Because that type of rhythm throughout the year is actually uh, one that allows you to remain engaged with God and others year after year after year. And the fun thing is, is that fun. The the amazing thing is, <laughs> is if we over year after year after year are putting ourselves in spiritual practice, engaged with God, God is going to do something amazing with that in making us more like Him. My uh, grandmother's favorite verse was Philippians one six: "He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion." Carry it on, right? A couple of weeks ago, I was um, I was preaching at Ephesians four at at one of the the churches that I went to visit, and I was talking in Ephesians. It says we have to grow up into the body. It's this process, right? You have huh. to mature into adulthood. There's all of this kind of time based nature of our spirituality where we can sometimes fall into this error of thinking that we're supposed to be there now. Mm, yeah. And that, but that's not what the call is. The call is to be with God, and then over time, He's going to do something in us. And hopefully, that's the grace that we can all take into our spiritual practices uh, this week. And so, um, hope you guys are encouraged. Hope everyone that's been listening has been prompted to consider uh, when they might be doing their spiritual practices, whether it be the day or the year. Um, maybe you've been prompted to change something. Um, and, but for now, thanks for being with us for this period of time. And now it's in the past. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Good Kind Podcast.
Thanks so much for joining us today on the Good Kind Podcast. We hope you leave feeling more equipped to engage with God and one another in your habits and holiday practices. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, like, and comment. We're excited to share more content with you soon. Don't forget, you can find us online at www.goodkind.shop. Thanks for listening and see you next time on the Good Kind Podcast.